0: Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Water. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Water Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
1: Hello, world.
2: What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.
1: It's Friday, that means listener questions live, and it is crossover time for Cincy Jungle Podcasts. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by my usual partner in crime, John Sheeran, and we've got the man, Titan Down, Zim Hude, joining us too. Uh, Hey guys, how's it going? Happy Friday. We're one, what, 24 hours away, basically, right now, right? 25 hours away until kickoff. One of the biggest games in franchise history. I'll start with you, John. How you doing, bud?
0: I'm doing pretty well, man. It's been a fantastic week of content and entertainment regarding the lead up to this game, along with the guy who's about to talk right now. And also, I, I really hoped that we had another guy, Ace Boogie, to come on to the mm-hmm. show. But since he's not here, we will represent. There you go. Design, there you go. Trace Amigos. You got, you got T. Higgins. You got Jamar Chase. You got Tyler Boyd. Shout out to Seth Reese, who designed this, and obviously Ace, who's selling it right now on NewStripeCity.com, the only place to get that merch. And also, check out Zim, Zim Hude's merch at Burrowbabies.com for sure. We got Zim, I think, uh, experiencing some tef- technical difficulties, but we'll get him back shortly.
1: He's, he's coming back. He's coming back. I mean, there's there's no way we're we're letting him dive out of this thing here. He's had uh, a little bit of a computer issue, and I think he was trying to do it from his phone, so I'm sure he's kind of working all of that. We're streaming live on Zim's YouTube channel as well as the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel, and we're on Cincy Jungle's Facebook. We're on YouTube uh, like I mentioned, we're on Twitter, all kinds of different stuff. So uh, definitely submit your questions. We're going we're to gonna kind of talk about a number of different things and field your questions in a number of different ways. How can you get those to us, you ask? via email theobinsider at gmail.com. Any one of our three Twitter accounts, you can shoot them over to us or the Bengals OBI Twitter account. There's a live chat going on cincyjungle.com where you can leave and post some comments there. There are live chats on our YouTube, Facebook, um, all kinds of different things. So we're monitoring that. Obviously, um, if if you're doing a super chat, those will take precedence. And by the way, if you submit a super chat today and you joined us for our Wednesday show when we had Icky Woods, all of the super chats that we will be getting the remainder of this week will be put in a pot for a big donation to the Javante Woods Foundation. Um, Obviously, that's a foundation in honor of Icky Woods' son, who passed away from a, a severe asthma attack? And he has been trying to do some great work in the community in honor for his son. He was gracious enough to join us after being ruler of the jungle on Saturday at the wild card game. We talked about that, and of course, his great charity. So, the, that money will be given as a donation to the Javante Woods Foundation if you are so inclined, or you can make a direct donation on the javontewoodsfoundation.org website. They are accepting that too. So um check that out. Do we have do we have Zim back? We got Zim back. All right. We gotta we gotta get him back in here to let's see. We got him. All right. There he is. Zim, what's going on, bud? We got we got you back?
2: I'm doing good. Can you guys hear me good?
1: Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good.
2: Okay, yeah. I don't know what happened. My internet as soon as the show started up, it just like tried to t- take me out. I don't know if there's a Titan working somewhere behind the scenes.
1: I was just gonna say that.
2: Gonna take me out, but you can't because we're coming to Nashville, baby. What's up?
1: <laughs> I was gonna say the 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 Titans ticket people are are coming after <laughs> you. They're trying to they're trying to mute us. That's what's happening. By the way, that's kind of I guess we'll start there because we've had a couple of questions on this. I want to get your guys' thoughts. Um, also, by the way, I, I failed to mention because we were bringing Zim back in. If you want to get in touch with us as well via text or call nine four nine-five four two-six two four one is the number. To get in touch with us here and we've got a nice super chat from our guy Russ ENT. Um, That's going to go to the uh, Javante Woods foundation. Thank you, Russ. Appreciate it. And as always, thanks for leaving great, great comments, nice comments and joining us in the live chats. Appreciate it. All right, let's talk about this ticket thing because in your Twitter spaces, this has been a topic Zim. And obviously there's an article on cincyjungle.com, all kinds of different things. I will start with you Zim. If you do not mind the Titans in case, Folks do not know the Titans have decided to try and limit Bengals fans by what is it canceling the transfer ticket policy that they're doing and all kinds of different things. I kind of find I've never really heard a team doing this. I understand to some degree why they would obviously want their home crowd there, but to go to this length to to kind of try and I, I kind of view it as almost a measure to try and bring up potential communication issues for Joe Burrow and that offense make it noisy and, and all of that. But I've never really seen, Zim, a team go to this length before.
2: Right. I I, I mean, I, I haven't seen it either. I was told behind the scenes two different things. One is that because it's just a four-hour drive, I think I was told that there's going to be – it was expected to be like 35% Bengals in the crowd anyway. The other part that I heard is that uh, for the most part, they weren't, they weren't uh, on the brink of selling out. So they were really, really, and I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't, and, I, and I think that's still the case too, because a lot of people with the weather and the temperatures like supposed to be like 15 and pretty low, that they're having an issue like probably selling out the stadium. So one of their fears is that a lot of people would, you know, be able to, they, they are actively trying to sell their tickets. So last minute transfers, I think, could hold them off a little bit, I would think, but all the major ticket outlets, you could still, transfer as much as you want so i don't know how much of an impact it will have
1: yeah john i think go go, go ahead go ahead
0: yeah like it it is legal i think like the the national predators the hockey team they do this Mm -hmm. and i I don't know if it's just like a tennessee thing it's it's obviously not (laughs) well known in the nfl spaces we haven't really heard or seen much of this but two things out of this is is interesting one like zim mentioned it's just a four-hour drive to nashville so presumably you could get your ticket I believe in the next hour or so because that's when the transfer window officially opens I I think for anyone who has tickets and then can then resell them to potentially a Bengals fan so people are going to leave Cincinnati in the next hour or so to get down the Nashville and it's not that far of a drive like I we went to the Notre Dame game up in South Bend in Indiana That was like four and a half five hours that didn't stop anybody from UC going up to Notre Dame and then the other thing is I I think Zim kind of hit on this like the Titans don't experience very many sellouts and they experience a lot of just traffic from opposing NFL fan bases. And I don't know why that's become an issue when you're the number one seed in the playoffs, but apparently it is. And that's
1: just, it's not a good look for the Titans. that That's kind of my, my take on it. I understand it to some degree and I understand they're looking for every competitive advantage and all. I, I love that info that you, you brought up a little bit behind the scenes there, Zim. It just kind of feels to me, I was thinking about it this morning. It just kind of feels like, the schoolyard bully take my ball and go home mentality right just kind of like i'm i'm pounding pounding a little bit i don't i'm getting the vibe that things aren't going my way immediately before we even start this game and it's just kind of like i'm going to do what i can to gain a competitive advantage and maybe not I, I don't know it 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 gives off vibes a little bit that they're they're not really liking how this thing is setting up for themselves, be it, be it the, the opponent, be it the fan base that is rabid, the Bengals fan base that is rabid to come and support the Bengals. I don't know. I just, I, I, I understand it to some degree, but on, on another level, it just seems almost petty. It really seems, it, it kind of seems petty to me. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I, I think it's a petty move. I don't, I don't, I, I am a i am a fan of gamesmanship like some of the stuff like brave Will coming out and saying oh we don't know how many snaps Derek yeah. henry's going to play or if he's gonna like i you know like i i do understand that part of it but to me i just think like this is america at the end of the day and <laughs> it's somebody i hate when people <laughs> say that but it is true in this in this in this circumstance like if if people want to buy a ticket to be entertained, you know, it's not my job to make sure that you f- fill the stadium with your fans. Like it's your front office's job. It's the people around there. It's the community's job yeah. to make sure that it's predominantly blue. If that's the if that's what you want to do, that that shouldn't be something where you should hinder people. Like and, and I said, America. Like, it could be people coming from another country. Like you should not yeah. be hindering to buy tickets to it. This is not a free event.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, on the, we've been on that other side of the fence, right, John? I mean, we've seen the Paul Brown Stadium have ticket issues and obviously opposing fan bases come in there, and they didn't do this kind of block tactic.
0: Well, just last week, like, there was no shortage of Raiders fans necessarily. Like, they, they traveled and right. they packed the stadium to, to their extent, and, you know, the Bengals kind of welcomed that. And that was part of the reason why it became the biggest sellout crowd in Paul Brown Stadium history with this, like, I do wonder, I do wonder, though, like, this is the third year in the row the Titans have been to the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. They lost last year to the Ravens. They, they lost to the Chiefs on the road the year before. I do wonder if, like, say the Bengals, like, say if they hosted a lot of those playoff games in the early 2010s or whatnot, I wonder if there was there would be a case where they would be scared that not a lot of fans from, from their fan base would come out. And I wonder if that's just what the Titans are right now. Like, is there skepticism regarding the Titans? Like, can they actually perform to the extent of the one seed? And maybe they just want to make all assurances that they're going to get the most advantage as possible. I don't know. That, that That's just kind of what it seems from my perspective.
2: It, it makes it, it all ties into winning and losing and the belief. I, like I was telling you, I had a, a small interview earlier on, on, on um, I think it was Channel 5. And they were asking me, what has changed? what has made everybody, really, and I said, the quarterback. You know, like that that's a big part of that, and that in conjunction with winning. And, I, and like you said, you know, like people are looking at Ryan Tannehill, looking at, hey, we've been here before, seeing the landscape of everything. It's really cold outside around the country, period. And it's really cold in Nashville. So like you combine all those different things, I think they go hand in hand. Right now, as hot as Joe Burrow is, there's no scenario where he wouldn't sell out like Paul Brown. That wouldn't even be a thing. Like, and like you said, there were plenty of Raiders fans there. In my section, it was very limited. But like the, the lobby of my hotel was flooded with Raiders. The, like plenty of shots I saw on TV. I rewatched the game. Plenty of Raiders. Like when they scored or did a good thing, you know, like, you know, and I like that part of, about sports. Like, you know, I like that.
1: Well, there's been no shortage of Ryan Tannehill takes this this week, be it from the Bengals fan base or the Titans fan base, and none maybe more entertaining than the ones we have heard in your Twitter streamed uh, spaces, <laughs> Zim. And one thing that I, you know, th- there was a, a gentleman who was a Titans fan yesterday. John, you may have, I think you were on the stream at, at, as well, maybe at this point, but um, First of all, I think it was the guy from from Canada, and I don't know what they're putting in the the beer or what whatever up there. He was he was spouting some <laughs> incredible takes yesterday, but there was one of the things he said was, you know, Ryan Tannehill's great for the system that the Titans run. He's perfect for what they want him to do, et cetera, et cetera. And I started thinking back about that last night and today, and I said, you know, that is a very very similar mindset and mentality that Cincinnati Bengals fans had with Andy Dalton, right? And no offense to Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton had a few really nice years. We had those five straight playoff wins. I say we, and I hate the guy that says we, but the Bengals had those five straight playoff <laughs> playoff appearances. Andy Dalton had some franchise records, which have since been broken by Joe Burrow. But here's the deal. The reason why the Bengals made that move off of them is because they were able to draft a generational quarterback and a guy that could transform what the team is what they want to do, and what that system is that they want to run. So my point is that while I understand that mentality, and Tannehill's an athletic guy, he's had a lot of wins, he's had a a good amount of success in this league, he's no slouch for sure, but that that mentality from the Tennessee side of things in terms of Tannehill is perfect for the system that we want to run. Well, don't you want a quarterback that maybe – would would dictate a a different mindset meaning you want a quarterback that you want to bring in to change the system that you want to run and make it a more successful system a different system i don't know that's just kind of some thoughts that rattled in my head guys (laughs) (laughs) Okay, i I, I
2: didn't want to over it because you you know me you, you know me i'm very passionate about this subject for for me like this is a subject that i've been talking about for so long and to meet so many people, you know, along this way. This week has been really, really entertaining for me uh, outside of the Twitter space. I, I felt like I met a lot of new people um, that are Titans fan. Contrary to belief, there are a lot of people that I've actually gotten along with really, really well and been talking to like on the side or even, you know, like a couple of different things going on. So some of the conversations that I have are like, your way of thinking is very, it, is very different than what a Bengals fan is feeling right now. And I think a lot of Bengals fans are talking to you almost out of concern in a way. Like, are you sure that, you know, like that's the way you want to go? Like make yourself one dimensional and just say like, hey, I like the way this guy hands the ball off. Like <laughs> that con that concept to me just doesn't, you know, it doesn't resonate. To say right. you want to ground and, to say you want a ground and pound, that's one thing. Like there, there's gonna be games where you want to ground and pound, but to say that hey we're gonna pigeonhole ourselves into this one style of playing and we're as a whole we're we're okay with that, I think you're 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 not telling the truth or, or 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 being truthful with yourself. And for people that don't know, I had to explain this a lot too. I was telling my mom this yesterday. I was like, I'm on this cool thing, Twitter Spaces. So if you don't know, Twitter Spaces is you know now this new. Um, I don't even. It's not even really that new. But it, it's a form where people are allowed to speak. You have a speaker that hosts. You can have a co-host. And then other people are allowed to speak. So people that maybe aren't sure what Anthony's speaking of, it's just a form where people can speak. So we all just been kind of collectively speaking. I've done two of them this week. One of them was really, really long. But we did one last uh, last night. And John was in there holding it down as well. Um, and we just, we, you know, I, I like to get information, honestly. But mm-hmm. it turned out to be a lot of, us trying to inform them, like, hey, look, this isn't the route you want to go, or you, or I think it's a great form to provide a lot of, um, you know, statistics, and uh, it's it's so many different things you could talk about. So it's a great form for that, and I and I thought they were really really healthy, A couple knuckleheads in there, but ultimately, <laughs> I think, ultimately, I think we all got our point across, and yeah. I, as a whole, I think Bengals fans feel really confident in this game after going through all of these different points from positions and none more important than the quarterback.
0: You know what it is? Because in in the Andy Dalton prime years when they were going to the playoffs and whatnot, like they were in a similar situation with the Titans where their rosters are balanced and there's not a lot of weak points. And it comes down to Tannehill just playing good enough for everything else to work with it. And that was the case with Dalton too. Like all Andy Dalton has to do is just not screw up and play a clean game. And then the rest of the team can make the difference. Right. And that would be a problem against really good quarterbacks. And that is why in the NFL now it's easier to win when you have an elite quarterback, because that can make up for a lot of other differences and it's just more sustainable. It's more, it's more reliable to just count on on a week to week basis. And with the Titans now it, the, the whole conversation with Tannehill and what, what the people on the Bengals side were trying to explain is that Burrow is clearly hands down better than Tannehill. And that gives you an inherent advantage. that's hard to overcome unless everything for the Titans goes right. And that's why the Titans now with the way that their team is, is, is um, constructed with Tannehill, everything has to go according to plan. And that may not happen. Like that's why it's tougher for the Titans to go on this run that the Bengals are capable of making now. And it, and like Anthony said, and like you said, Zim, it just reminds you so much of those Andy doll conversations. And unfortunately it, it, it will take something tragic to, to happen with the Titans, maybe a, a loss or Tannehill playing bad for them to truly see that and move forward.
1: Yep. Uh, Zim, I, I, I think you're still maybe on your, are you still on your phone? Okay. So I don't know if you're able to see comments or not. Maybe maybe John and I will we'll kind of uh, look at some of these. I want to get to some of these super chats. We've had some f- phone calls and whatnot. We're trying to juggle all these. We are in the midst of celebrities. Luke Knoll, Saturday Night Live alum, uh, checking in and no. making a nice donation to uh, the Javante Woods Foundation. Who is the hottest Bengal in terms of raw sensual power? Um, I, I love that question. And Luke, we, we, we got to get you on the show, man. Um, I don't know. I, 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 not to sound weird, I guess I'm, I've been crushing on CJ Uzama these days, man. His, his good looking uh, dude. Yeah. And he's, he's, his infectious, you know, uh, leadership and rah, rah. And he was, he was, he had me last week when he was wearing the Holman Jersey, the Rodney Holman Jersey. I'm like, dude, throwback. I love that. Rodney Holman was one of my favorite Bengals ever. So I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of crushing on Did CJ Uzama these days. Did you guys. see
2: him break out the shades on the Good Morning? Yeah, Network? yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, his
2: Mike Duff is, his mic depth is pretty legendary too. Yeah. Like if we if we go on a Super Bowl, like if we go that far, looking back at this run, I think they're gonna look at like some of his yeah. moments, especially like the Mike depth stuff, and just say, man, what a special season that was. Mm-hmm.
0: I think what Luke was trying to say was that he was trying to type in sexual and they wouldn't let him do that. So he had to put in <laughs> sensual. So if the original question is raw sexual power. I think it's it's got to be Burrow, right? Like the, the dude just exudes swagger and <laughs> confidence, and he's a good-looking dude. Like, like that. It's that, just it's just the easy answer. All of us are on the spectrum at some point, and and that that portion of the spectrum that we're on, it's attracted to Burrow. Like, there's no need to hide
2: that. Uh, <laughs> I know oh John my. is coming 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 fully out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he's coming yeah. all the
2: way out the closet on this one. For me, I'm gonna <laughs> go. I'm gonna go. But I mean, honestly though, like Burrow, like. To be 100% honest, <laughs> who wouldn't after a football game get like this James Dean, you know, like this cool, like he just could just one brush of the hand it, his hair just falls perfect. Everything about, you know, like Joe Burrow, like after a game or like when he's not trying, is so damn cool. And I just can't, and, and in my mind, I always thought, I told my wife, I said, hey, when I asked her one day, she went to the doctor's office and said, on the magazines that they're sitting on the table, is Burrow on any of them? She was like, not yet, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> like for me, my dream is to I walk into a dentist's office and that stack of, of, of magazines just has like Burrow on, like at least like two or three of them. Like when Burrow Mania like hits, and he's just like so perfect for that. So I'm gonna go Burrow.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Luke, for that, for that uh super chat. Crazy. Like you said, that's gonna go to the the Javante Woods Foundation and um Yeah, you took this show in a in a way that we've never taken it before, and now there's like you know a couple hundred people live watching. So um, yeah, it is what it is. Fun question though, and we've got Jason Von Stein, one of our buddies, on the line. Jason, what's going on, bud?
2: Uh, Not much. Just happy to celebrate another week, another win. Oh my goodness, the curse is over. (laughs) I love you guys. I've been watching AC do this show for a long time he was doing a show with a guy named nick superling Mm -hmm. it was another podcast before this podcast before the popularity before everybody and we finally man i'm so happy to finally be able to see us win a game together man long time overdue man i'm so happy for everybody i do have one question is there any chance we can finally get a brad st louis interview
1: a brad st louis interview um i don't know well we'll have to work on that brad st louis was on this team for a while but clark harris is now the man clark harris came to the rescue uh thank by the way thank you jason well i appreciate the the compliments and of course the support long-time support of the show Appreciate it, my man and good to hear from you hopefully the Bengals get another playoff win for you clark harris came in i don't know if you guys remember brad st louis was a was a pretty solid long snapper for a while for this team and all of a sudden he just got the the case of the yips and, you know, was not snapping the ball well at all. And Darren Simmons made a change after a while and Clark Harris came in and was, you know, kind of a a, a godsend and has been a pillar of consistency since he arrived. So um, I don't know. We'll have to hunt down uh, Brad St. Louis. We had a, We had a long time ago. We had a guy, a former Bengal tight end, Nate Lowry, who was a special teams guy. We had him on, on the show a long time ago, but, I don't know about Brad St. Louis. I don't know what he's up to these these days, John.
0: He would have to be up to something interesting in order for it to be an interesting show because I, is it just like the redemption, like just talking about the, the ending of Brad St. Louis's career? I don't know if a lot of people other <laughs> than Jason Von Stein would like to, like to hear that. But Clark Harris, though, definitely up there in the rankings of uh, sexual energy for the Bengals.
2: <laughs> That's All right. We'll right.
0: Start. Man,
2: before the game, um, before the championship game, matter of fact, no, I'm going to tell you, first quarter, Clark the shark comes over. I'm sitting right behind the bench. I'm, I'm at like the 35 yard line. I'm in, the, I'm in the front row of that game. Clark the shark is shooting the, shooting the stuff with this guy up front. And the guy cracks some joke about like, you know, you don't really snap him like you used to Clark. And then Clark goes out there and it and, and just, like you know like just shoots one back to uh to like the uh who is that that was catching i forgot who that was catch- it wasn't even a punter it wasn't even you and he just said he was like yeah now how you like that one and this is like first quarter you know in the <laughs> middle of the game like having fun and evan mcpherson sitting like right there on the bench and he's just like smiling like oh that clark clark if you guys don't know if you ever go to a Bengals game you want to you want to uh, autograph or something like that you probably could get one if, if you're consistent with it hang around because Clark is always the guy that's walking around that front area. He always hits up the end zone area, and he's always interacting with the fans. So he, I, it's easy to see why he's a fan favorite.
1: Yeah, and, and props to him. He just gave, I, I think, a set of tickets. He gifted them to the Bangalorean after a lot of fans were clamoring for him. Clark's been giving out all kinds of tickets throughout the, the year, and uh, I think fans kind of rallied behind Bangalorean because – He was not he wanted to go and was not able to go. And and Clark uh, came to the rescue there. So good on him. We got, I think, 18 euros if I'm if I'm reading the Mm -hmm. um, the the chat right. Don't thank me winning all this back betting uh, Marvin Lewis in the over who day from James Clayton, who has helped out this Mm -hmm. show in a number of different fronts. Good to hear from him. Uh, James, you and I exchanged some emails recently. Check out your inbox if you got a sec, my man. I appreciate the help you've done for for this show in the past. I'm trying to get to all these. We've got like a bunch of super chats trying to get back to some of these. In the meantime, John, do you see a question? Zim, I don't know if you're able to to see it yet, but John, do you see questions that you would like to get to on one of our uh, platforms here?
0: Yeah, I got you. Let's go as topical as possible because I believe 10 minutes ago, the Tennessee Titans officially activated uh, Derek Henry off of injured reserve. We had a question from... One Nation Underground uh, directed towards – someone directed this towards Zim, but let's just ask Zim first. What is the word on King Henry's foot, and how much of an impact do you think that will have? <laughs> let's just assume that he gets, like, 15 to 20 carries in total. Let's just assume that that's going to happen. Like, what does it mean for the game?
2: For me, now, two-part question, right? All right, the first part is I don't know if you guys watch Dr. Chow, like the football doctor. So he so he commented on Derrick Henry's foot. He noticed him at practice. He said, like it's clear he's laboring, uh, putting a lot of a lot of more power on the left hand side. I think if you're the Bengals, you gotta be prepared for the king, right? And and there's no way around it because you never know. And when he's running full force at you, you you better wrap up. And I thought it was really important. Uh Logan Wilson had an interview this week and they said, Man, are you excited about the chance to to take over Derek Henry one-on-one he was like absolutely not like I I'm excited about gang tackling him and getting him down to the ground and I just think that that's the the energy the Titans run um run scheme as a whole allows guys like Deontay uh is that Foreman yeah um, yeah. yeah Foreman and Foreman and Hillier it allows them to do well and, and thrive in the system no matter what, whether Derrick Henry, Henry is there or not. If you look at the numbers when Derrick Henry is there and when he's not, the yards per attempt and the total yards are very, very similar. So it's very clear that they're coming to Nashville to run for 30 plus times. And for the Bengals, it, it, I had a former player tell me earlier today, and actually and an active player that plays for the Broncos. He told me earlier this morning, he said, there is no way on earth that the Titans can win this game if they don't average over 4.4 or four point, between 4.4, 4.6 yards of carry. He was like, it's just not enough uh, firepower. Now this is his opinion. He's actively playing in the national football league and he plays in the trenches. And I said, well, is there another world where Tannehill just kind of like, you know, make some big plays and makes one. He said, yeah, but I mean, it's pretty limited on how many times can he do that in the game with this, With this unit that probably hasn't been together that often it would have Mm. to be like an insane performance that they're just not capable of and if you go that route you're taking them out of what they want to do which is a win for the Bengals. so i i don't know if that answered everything but derrick henry is always a threat if you watch derrick henry over the years he's a legit he's very close to hall of fame status if he's not there yet so for anyone to underestimate him just because he has a foot injury or anything like that would be silly but at the same time, I'm told that most of his runs are going to go to the left because he's going to have a hard time planting on uh, the right. Planting, yeah. Right. And he still has a metal uh, thing or a boot or something in his shoe. I was also told that if that if it wasn't an issue or it wasn't anything that could seriously get worse, they would have gone a different route. So him planting and doing things, cutting to the right is going to be really, really impactful. And based off of what we know, he's nowhere near 100%. The concept or the plan, I guess, for the Titans is that going we're, he, whether we win or lose, it's win or lose time, right? We got the next six months ahead of us to recover. So if he re-injures it, so be it. And I guess Derek has agreed to do it. So here we go.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to echo some thoughts that I heard a little earlier today from someone far smarter than me. And uh, it was, it was something that I had kind of thought about as a key to this game going into it. Uh, it was Greg Cosell being interviewed by Dan Hoard, Um, and obviously Greg Cosell, one of the most res- respected voices in, in league circles and whatnot, but he basically said, you know, it's not so much the Derrick Henry 20-yard run, 30-yard run, 50-yard run type of play. It's the Derrick Henry that turns a what should have been a two- or three-yard gain into seven yards and eight yards, particularly on early downs. And I, I think that that's a very astute observation because that – then plays into Tannehill's wheelhouse, right? Shorter completions, controlled completions, play actions, all of that when you have manageable third downs, manageable second downs, et cetera. So I think in terms of of Henry, injury, all of that, we'll see exactly what he can and can't do um interesting information from zim there but i I do think that that is a key for the Bengals on defense is to kind of try and you know when when you make contact i know it's very difficult with derrick henry but with this injury and whatnot when you make initial contact with him you got to start getting him to the ground because if he extends some of those runs a handful of extra yards than they should have gone for that's going to make for a long day for for cincinnati
0: Logan Wilson has the right idea here. Um quick quick plug. I have an article coming out within the hour about how the the Indianapolis Colts managed to stop Derrick Henry in Henry's last game right before he suffered that Jones fracture in his foot. A lot of a lot of has been made about the lack of depth that the Bengals have at defensive tackle in this game. And you know, they still have two starters in DJ Reader and BJ Hill. But in reality, like what the Titans love to do, and this this could be huge with, with Henry's injury, they love to work, to run outside and wide zone and let him cut up field. And once he does that, like once the Titans offense line, which is pretty good at run blocking, once they give him a, enough space to to burst through the gap, that is where the explosive plays come from. Like Derrick mm-hmm. Henry just running up the middle 30 times makes him no more irreplaceable than any other running back in the league. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the Titans, that's not where his value comes from. He, his value comes from explosive runs. That's what makes him different than Dante Foreman. So in, in that Colts game, it was Darius Leonard and, and the Colts linebackers and the backside pursuit uh, defenders crashing down on the backside of those plays and basically ganging up on Derrick Henry right before he enters the second level. And that's why his longest carry of that game was only nine yards. So this game doesn't really come down to DJ Reader and BJ Hill in the defensive tackles. It comes down to Sam Hubbard coming from the opposite side, Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson having masterclass performances, getting to the gaps as quick as possible. And the more guys that you have meeting Derrick Henry in the hole, the better chance, obviously, you have of bringing him down. But if he gets into open space, I don't care if he's got an 80% foot, he can break off a long run for sure.
2: Let me ask you this, too. Are you worried about, like, this past week, there were a lot of different instances where Jesse Bates was called, and I, and I thought he had a really good game, but he's called upon to be uh, – he, he might be one of the eight men that get entered into the box. Is that a concern for you, like, bringing Jesse Bates into the box versus – because sometimes they like to do that and keep Von Bill back, right, Or they, and they do it, like, at the snap of the football. That's the first question I would ask. Another little tidbit I just wanted to talk about too is that when we interviewed Quentin Spain, me and my partner Ace, uh, who couldn't be with us on here today, we interviewed Quentin Spain, and he said one of the things that they do very well, we were talking about Derrick Henry. We asked him, and it's funny that we asked him a bunch of questions about Derrick Henry. He said one of the things that they do, and they do it, and y'all might not see it at home, is that they, they purposely scheme up Derrick Henry getting to the perimeters to get one on one with a cornerback. And he was like, when you're playing, you have to make sure that, like you were just saying, John, that your linebackers are on, on all the cores with that because they're going to have to do a lot of game tackling. But that that was another little thing that people don't understand when we're talking about Derrick Henry. Yeah, they'll pound, pound, pound. By the time you get the fourth quarter, maybe you break one of those opens. But like you were saying, a lot of those big uh, runs go to the outside. But I wanted to ask you about how do you feel about that, like with Bates in the box? So what do you think from a scheme standpoint that Lou could you know what are the problems that you think that that presents to our safeties? Maybe.
0: Yeah, I think in just in general because the Bengals don't like to use three linebackers anyways. They just save that for like Lamar Jackson. They barely have any linebackers available here, so they're going to have to put Bates or and or Von Bell into the box to match that we got Jake Lisko in the chat. He was, he said he, he noticed a bunch of big runs for Henry bouncing outside on some of those duo or, or gap concepts in the middle, because a lot of people are crashing down. And then you have a condensed box with seven or eight guys mm-hmm. all going inside the hashes. And then Henry has the vision and the athleticism to bounce outside. And that's where also some big runs come into the play. So at the end of the day, it just comes down to gap discipline. It comes down to making sure that you're not, Getting too far inside on Henry when he's running in the middle and not getting too far outside when he's running to the outside. Because again, like the the athleticism that he has to to cut up field and break off those runs is huge. And when it comes to just schematic wise, like yeah, I'm interested to see if, if they utilize like maybe Marcus Bailey more often to get three linebackers on the field or if just Von Bell just lives in the box in this one, because just staying in, in your gaps, making sure that the force players are matching with the spill players in this one, it's gonna be crucial.
1: The other thing too that this shows is a little bit of the genius in the, the Bengals investing in corners over the past couple of free agencies that are physical and can tackle, right? I mean, Mike Hilton's known for his tackling. Wuzier's known for his tackling. Wayne's at the time was known as an able tackler. Now a lot of that comes on passing and whatnot, but these guys have also shown a willingness to to chip in in the run game. And if these runs are going outside, you know, some of those guys are going to be put to the test, not just the linebackers as well. So your trip at aruba.com nice super generous uh super chat from Stuart monty that will go to the Mm javante woods foundation great interview with icky such an overlooked cause and i've been doing the shuffle all week also are you how are you guys feeling this is another big twitter space debate zim the trenches (laughs) uh on both sides of the ball i'm sure you'll get to it it's just on my mind look the thing is i uh Mm. i wrote an article up that's, that'll probably go up soon about our, uh, my interview with Believe in Titans, Davey Hudson. And one of the things that is not where it's all about how many times has Joe Burrow been hit and sacked? That's the narrative this week. Did you know that Ryan Tannehill was sacked 47 times this year to Joe Burrow's 51? I mean, it, it's, it's there. The numbers are there. So, uh you know, I guess uh, I don't know which one of you guys want to take, take this first, but you know, there are corresponding weaknesses and ways that, you know, each of these teams can can potentially balance things out for for each other's weaknesses. I don't know, Zim, I, I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't know who wants to take it first. But uh, there, there are some things that are being overlooked in terms of that quarterback hit sack ratio that that everybody's talking about.
0: Are you pointing at me, Zim? Is, is that what that is? is okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that guy. That guy.
0: I think that the Titans their their front four it's pretty good. Like, there's not a weak point on, on that spot. Like, Jeffrey Simmons is a beast, and that's that's really funny because apparently Titans fans don't know that Bengals fans know that Jeffrey Simmons is really <laughs> freaking good. He's Like, an all he's, he's really like an all he's like he's just really a casual good. like second team All Pro or whatever. Um, but uh, other than that, like. Bud Dupree is he's not great, but he's still out there and you have to account for him. And Harold Landry quietly has like 12 sacks this year. And Mm -hmm. I I thought he was going to be a little bit better than what he was coming out of Boston College. But he's developed pretty nicely. And then Nico Autry, probably the most underrated guy, like a defensive end who lines up at defensive tackle. They like to run a ton of twists and stunts. And that's something that has given the right side of the Bengals offensive line some some Mm -hmm. fits in recent years. And even this year with a new coach in Frank Pollock like the timing of those stunts is crucial because they'll, they'll either have like Simmons and Autry just uh, cross past like immediately, or they'll have like Simmons kind of delayed going behind Langer or something like that. It, it's a lot. It's two man stunts. It's three man stunts, tackle in tackle, tackle. It, it's a lot of communication issues that prop up from that. And I think that is the biggest thing, like personnel wise. I think the Bengals offensive line is good enough to to hold them off in, in one-on-one situations for most of the game. They'll probably get through for maybe two or three sacks because that's just the nature of the game. That's that's a talented defensive line. You have to live with that. Like maybe, yep. maybe like we said on Wednesday, maybe one of them ends a drive on like a third down or something like that. And then, you know what? That's a no. That, that's a win for the Titans because they're pretty good. It's communicating and passing off those guys on stunts. That's the crucial because if they continue to get home with that, then that can lead to a long day for Burrow.
2: Right. And, and a, and a guy that is a, a hot topic where I don't know why you know I think they're going through their Geno Atkins phase with Jeffrey Simmons or something where it's just like that that's not an everyday name I guess you hear so automatically they assume you do, you guys don't even know Jeffrey Simmons I heard that so many times I'm like no he is a beast and if anybody knows us you know and we're talking three second we're talking defensive line play like out of respect. Like we made a living in our division off of doing exactly what Jeffrey Simmons is doing for your team. So I definitely understand, you know, that aspect of it. Um, one thing that I, I think I wish the Bengals would do or is something that I think could be very key because they're going to put the emphasis on these guys to get home, right? That's going to be the overall thing. They're the second least team to blitz in the National Football League mm-hmm. because we know that they they're relying on these guys to get up field so fast. I would screen them early. I would screen, screen, screen. Like I would go crazy with that early. I just want to give them something to think about before I start going into my overall stuff. I think when it when it when Joe comes out there, it'll be a lot like the Raiders game. I think we'll see we'll see that the offense now primarily goes through Jamar Chase now, where which we were called or at least I was calling for earlier in the season. Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, just straight bombs like before the half, right? So run your office through that, but like to, to offset some of that because there's so much pressure on those four to get home. I just think that if you can get them to hesitate earlier in this game, screen them, run directly at them, different things like that. I think it just changes like mentally how far, how far do they want to push up in the pocket? How far do they want to get it? Because there's, they're, they're literally relying on that. Whereas you'll see the Bengals like occasionally Mike Hilton on a blitz where in this game, I don't know how much Mike Hilton is even going to play like in, 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 in their four, three base packages that they're going to have to come out with in this game. So there, there's so many different things that I think kind of got misconstrued in that. But Jeffrey Simmons is, is, 100% 100% obese, I think. And this is another thing that, that does concern me with that. When I rewatched that Chiefs game, yeah, Chris Jones only had, like, two sacks, right? <laughs> but he, Joe Burrow, dodged, like, three mm-hmm. other sacks. So if you're talking about pressure in his face, middle, like, you know, Trey Hopkins isn't set up for that. And that is a concern if you're a Bengals fan. And the greatness of Joe Burrow, maybe you saw it at home or not, uh, Joe got out of three. I think, I don't know if Chris got, ended up with two sacks or one and a half, but Joe dodged three of them that 100%, 92% of the league you're getting sacked on. So that's something to look at for sure.
1: Um, the the other part of this that we're, you know, I know we're all focused on the offensive line and we've got a lot of other super chats and a lot of other texts and stuff. I, I hope you guys are okay we on sure. time. We're going to try and squeeze in as much as possible, but there's the flip side of this more. as well. What's that? I was saying I got 30 more. All right. Uh, the, the, the other flip side to Stuart's question here quickly that we're not talking about is the Bengals, the, the Bengals defensive line, the Bengals other side of the trenches. We talk so much about their offensive line and obviously them protecting Burrow, but uh, the Bengals are getting Hendrickson back this week. Big, big get. They lost Ogan Joby, obviously, for the year. That's a big loss. But B.J. Hill steps in. John and I talked about how we're curious to see about his increased role this week so all of that kind of being taken into account dj reader going up against a familiar team when he was with the texans all of that um how are you guys feeling about the defensive side of the trenches for the Bengals in this one especially given the fact that the titans have been one of the top uh offensive lines in terms of giving up sacks this sure.
0: year? yeah and it's surprising to me because like I think Robert, um, Roger Salford, uh, Taylor Luan, uh, Ben Jones, I think he's still the center there. Like, there's some good guys, and I, I guess they're just considerably better at run blocking compared to pass protection. So, 47 sacks to me seems like a lot. I don't, I haven't watched a ton of Tannehill, uh, specifically this year. I know he's a great athlete, but I don't know if he's just terrible at evading pressure or just guys that are just not playing that I well. Yeah, exactly. So like it, maybe, maybe I, I think someone did say uh, that Tannehill is just like doesn't have object permanence or if like if, if there if he doesn't see a rusher, he's basically not there, which reminds me a lot of what A.J. McCarron was with the Bengals, too. So there's a there's definitely a scenario where Hendrickson and he loves to just do the rip move to the outside if he can get under Taylor Luan, a t- giant mammoth of a 6 foot 8 tackle if you can get under him for a little bit of a blindside like you could see something like it was last year or last week excuse me when he strip sacked Derek Carr so Hendrickson playing is the biggest thing if he was not going to play in this game that could have changed things dramatically for Ryan Tannehill just just buying his time just picking apart the Bengals defense but him playing against Luan is one of the biggest matchups in this game Sam Huber versus David Questenberry who's managed to stay in the league for nine mm-hmm. years credit to him He's, that's also a really good matchup as well and bj hill man like we don't give him enough credit we've talked a ton about larry ogunjobi and just the 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 splash plays that ogunjobi's provided bj hill has been the more consistent player both against the pass and the run and obviously his his play against the run is going to get a lot of run this week but him being productive as a pass rusher that can't go unnoticed too
2: right um you you talked about the right side of their line too even when I go and look at their PFF grades and stuff, and I haven't seen a lot of their reps, you know, but Questenberry and, uh, um, God, what's the right guard, Nate Davis. Yeah. Although they struggle in pass blocking, much like our, you know, our right guard and our right, our right tackle, their, their rim blocking grades are still pretty good. So um, I think Taylor Lawan has given up four sacks on the whole year. You you compare that to Jonah Williams, he's given up eight sacks. Pressure is about to, very, very similar in that regard to, So there there are different things along the – I think the key thing, though, and I I think I might have said this in the spaces, is that Tannehill on third down is at the league bottom. Tannehill down by 10 10 points is the worst rated quarterback in the National Football League. And so I just think that there's a world that maybe he can get out of it, maybe they get a couple big runs or whatever. Just knowing what we know about uh, Trey Hendrickson, Versus the pass rushes that they see, like they've seen recently against the the Texans and when they play the Jaguars and stuff, this is a uh, that's a big factor that they're not factoring at all. It, for the average, I guess Titan fan is like, I just think that's something that we can exploit. If and that's why I think it's very key to get a lead. It is.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's our boy Jason Jack Jackass of all trades. There, a nice nice twenty dollar uh, super chat. There, we just heard from him on the phone a little bit. Thank you for the support, and that'll go to the Javante Woods Foundation. Appreciate you. Uh, I am finally seeing um, the person that you gave me a heads up about john finally i was I, we've had we have like hundreds of viewers right now a lot live so this is awesome i saw our, our good pal um you mentioned him earlier jake Liskow from locked on bangles made a stop in our good buddy um Ooh. strawberry ice stopping in and yeah. saying hey um good to, good to john have john all Joey. those folks in there yeah i'm trying to get to these super chats um because you know these are these are donations and want to get to all of those in the meantime do you guys see another one? from either one of the live chats on cincyjungle.com or something that I may have missed. Um, When uh are we going to start
2: talking about, when are going to talk about Fat Randy? That's what the people want. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I had a, I had a chat with Davey Hudson of the Believe Network, Believe in Titans podcast. And we had a little chat about, guess what, Zim? I don't know if you listened to it or not. And John, I don't know if you heard it yet or not either. When he misses for the Titans, when he has missed for the Titans, he's at about 84% on his field goals for the year. They call him Fat Randy too. They have adopted the Fat Man. Randy nickname mantra. I couldn't even believe it. He said it. I didn't even bring up the name. He said it. And I was like, dude, what? I can't believe I can't believe this. I'm gonna tell you this.
2: I I, I don't think I'm the originator, but on Instagram, I never <laughs> heard anyone say this before I said it, right? Because I am a, a trailer part boys. Like that's one of my that was one of my go to shows back in the day. That's the original fat fat Randy, oh. right? Yeah, trailer. I didn't
1: you know, know that guys, at all. I didn't know that either. So,
2: yeah. Okay, so Trailer Park Boys is one of the greatest shows ever created. Let's, let's just put that out there. So, if you guys got time to go on let's that, let's do with the forever.
1: glasses and the, the big eyes, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I've seen it, I've oh seen god. the pictures of it, but I've never watched a show. Yeah,
2: oh my god, you're talking about the guy bubbles. Um, so anyway, so <laughs> I've, I've always called on Fat Randy, right? My one of my best friends is the head athletic trainer for the Titans, it's my childhood friend. We actually talked for about an hour, about two days ago. He was talking a little trash and stuff like that. But back when I was calling him Fat Randy with the Bengals, he then started calling him Fat Randy. So I know the day that he showed up, matter of fact, the day that Fat Randy first, he said, man, Fat Randy's on fire, bro. And I said, oh, really, really? Then one week he called me, said, man, fat randy is trash <laughs> and i was like "What?" It was like he's like man he failed it's like fat randy has lost him like a, a game or two this year or whatever so i don't know if he has something to do with that and then now all the people around that area are now adopting the name but i never heard anybody say it, uh when you know and i had a lot of i had a lot of good videos where I, um me and fat randy were eating donuts so that that was really fun because <laughs> all this time
0: donuts. i all this time I I thought it was literally just like made up just because of what he looks like. And I had no idea that it was it was he a doesn't real thing.
2: He doesn't look that different than the Fat Randy on the show. He's got dark hair. Fat Randy's the real fat Randy belly is like the size of me, AC put together. And it's just like a perfect round belly full of like jelly. Like it's a amaz- like it's the greatest bellies of all time. If you guys get a chance, just Google Fat Randy, it'll pop right up.
1: All right.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, well. At this uh, point, if we Google Fat Randy, it might be Randy Bullock.
1: I know. I know. <laughs> but uh, it's probably it's side by side. By side. Right. That's what it, because
2: it, because this thing is happening, taking his a whole life of his own. The pictures pop up, and they are very similar. Now they're starting to really. You'll see. You're gonna. You're, you're laughing now. Wait till you see. You're like, oh my god, he really does kind of look like that.
1: Quietly, though, a big key, though. To this week is uh, are the kickers right? I mean, it's just right. you know I, you hope the Bengals are able to f- finish drives as opposed to settling for field goals like they did four times last week. But I, that that's another strategic move that has immensely helped the franchise is moving off of and no offense to Randy Bullock, he made some nice kicks, he he had a couple of decent years with the Bengals, but making that move to McPherson and him leading the league in fifty plus yard field goals, that's that's just a big a big move for this team. Speaking of kicking, let me ask you, AC, how do
2: you feel there's been a bigger uproar? I don't know if you've seen this. Uh Huber hasn't really been performing
1: mm-hmm. like
2: in the past. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's going to come back to Rears ugly head like in the playoffs at some point?
1: I, I hope not. Um, there has been a, a little and I I I don't like to pile on him because he's been such a great <laughs> pro for this team and he's I mean the dude has been a, a good punter for this team for a long time he took that terrible shot from the Steelers that broke his jaw years ago I mean he's been through a lot he's seen a lot by the way go check out his article on the Players Tribune that he put out there awesome article by that he penned for them go check that out but um, yeah I mean I, I think unfortunately we're kind of seeing the the end here for him Um, I, I think after this run I hope The special teams has always been solid, even through some of the bad Marvin Lewis years and whatnot. Darren Simmons has always run a pretty, pretty good unit. And when things have come up, he's pretty quick to make a change. You saw the Darius Phillips issue earlier this year when he was fumbling punt returns in the San Francisco game. There was a pretty quick response to that. We talked about Brad St. Louis and Clark Harris uh, years ago as well. There was a quick response to that. And, uh, you know, so I I hope that they can – dodge you know a couple of poor kicks and and also i mean in the cold it sometimes that thing's like kicking a cinder block right i mean it's just it's it's hard so i hope not the bangles dodged a major bullet that nobody's talking about last week with evan mcpherson in that kickoff that would have gone out of bounds and the player grabbed it and then he got he got stopped at his own two i couldn't even believe what i saw there um and, and so that was a big turning point in the game as well That's McPherson, obviously not Huber, but it's those kind of things. You got to be able, if that comes up, you got to be able to dodge those kinds of bullets. I hope Huber kind of turns it around, but there have been a couple of late, a couple of punts that have been less than ideal from the, from the veteran.
0: And I I think that when they signed, what's his name? Drew Chrisman. Uh, this offseason like, I thought that that was going to be the eventual replacement and he's been like released and signed back on and released to the practice squad like maybe Ooh. a record amount of times because no one's going to sign like a, a rookie punter like but, there's always the, the security that he's going to be available so I think that plan is still probably in place and going back to, to Bullock who by the way people are googling him and it, when you google Fat Randy it is just Randy Bullock just all 100% of the results um, what? yeah what? Go, go ahead and google it yourself <laughs>
2: Bro, like that is super disrespectful to the original. Like the like, oh the gosh. real Fat Randy is a legend, bro. Like I don't even. Uh,
0: maybe it's fan. because I'm in Cincinnati and it's tracking my location. But regardless of the situation, maybe, th- 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 there was there there was an instance this year where Randy Bullock did win the Titans a game at the at yeah. the buzzer. Mm-hmm. It was against the Colts in Week Eight. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for them, that's how they lost to the Jets because he could not tie the game from like I don't know, like forty something yards away. So. It sounds familiar. Yeah, it's
2: it's, it's How <laughs> about say did he did he grab his hammy after he missed? Yeah. It? He missed God. It? Like, I don't think he yeah, I don't yeah. think he could
0: do that twice. I wouldn't
2: put that past him. He's a wild boy now. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's a guy that's got some chick. He's gonna immediately grab that thing and be like, I bet you they never seen this one before. He's probably gonna use that for every single stop that he ever makes in his NFL career. I wouldn't put that past that guy. He's a he's a wild one. Um, that's I was funny. gonna say something, AC. I thought. It was really important that you said that because one thing I wanted the Bengals fans in here to know too is that the Titans um uh are amongst the top of the NFL as far as red zone defense. So if there comes a time where we're talking like where Joe Burrow goes to the red zone five times, like he did in the Raiders game and walks away with like what four field goals in that in that stretch or whatever. Yeah. that's where kicking is really really going to come into play and we're talking about Nicole so that is something to keep your eye on a lot of Titans fans that I've talked to a lot of things that I've seen too is with their cornerbacks in the way that they're set up bend don't break concept let let you have all this stuff underneath drive the length of the field one thing that's really important for the Bengals to do is break these big plays like they've been so that they don't have to make these trips to the red zone but that is a calling card call in the Titans is allow you to minimize your possession, shorten out the game, yep. dink and dunk your way down the field. Before you know it, you have a drive of eight minutes. They have a drive of eight minutes. You go in the fourth quarter and it's 10 to 17 or, you know, like 10-13 or something low like that. That's a part of what they do, and they've, they've won a lot of games like that. So I think it's really big for the Bengals between the 35-yard and the 35-yard um, lines on, you know, those, that's the sweet spot for me to take shots to to make big plays and never even get into the red zone but once you do it is that is one thing that is a strength of the Titans.
1: That's a good point uh ian ryder our, our buddy who is the singer and guitarist of holy coast band he uh sent was kind enough to give us one of his tunes for that we've been using for one of our shows there go check out the holy coast band on Bandcamp. support his band local musician he's been touring in the area and um I think they're, they're going in the studio, I read, somewhere to, to make some more music. So go check out his music if you like some some good old-fashioned rock music. Great guy and great supporter of the show. I'm um, talking about this is the time he always he wants us to do OBI after dark where we're, I don't know, sipping liquor and, and I, I guess making a little little more PG-13 rated R, I guess. I don't know. But uh, he has been in the Twitter space as well. good to Got hear. a little
0: preview of that um, in the beginning of the show. So expect more of that.
1: Right. Um, we had one. I'm going to try and get this uh, from Mr. Whisper, um, another YouTube you. Uh, youtube super chat i'm gonna try and find this here there are a lot of comments i'm scrolling through as best as i can sorry folks uh
0: but the question was down.
1: uh yeah regardless the question is and i'll pin it here but regardless of how this season ends it's been amazing that said Bengals have some decisions to make and we know uh needs can change the offseason what do you who do you think does not return next year ogan Joby, bates waynes etc uh, I don't know, John, I guess you could take that one first. I'm going to pin it here. But thank you, Mr. Whisper, for the generous donation. That's going to go to the Jovante Woods Foundation.
0: Yeah, whenever the Bengals play their last game this year, that's Trey Wayne's last game as the Bengal, too. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's inevitable at this point. I, I don't think Jesse Bates is gone. I think at the very least, they franchise tag him. I think just him showing out like that in the wildcard round. I think that means a lot to them. Uh, Ogan Joby that's probably the most interesting one because you have both him and BJ Hill as free agents. I don't Mm -hmm. know who they're going to prioritize there. You have Joby now coming off of an injury. He just had successful surgery, but again, like I think in his limited snaps, Hill has been just as good, if not better. So that's the main decision. Also, I I know Zim is pretty big on bringing back Riley reef and maybe he moving him inside the guard. I think that's also something very interesting. Like at this point, reef is probably, he is who he is and he's only going to get a little bit older. So his options may not be that, that much, like, lucrative compared to anywhere else but here. But, I don't know, that, that, that's interesting to me.
2: Right. I mean, that's the game plan. Like, I, I, I don't know how much we want to talk about the all-season stuff, but, you know, with right. the depth that they've acquired throughout the season, I just think it's a natural thing to kind of give Riley reef a shot. You know, like, it would be, you know, signing to a two-year deal, moving the guard, give him a chance, you know, that the right guard to solidify that position. You come back to the drive. And um, you know, take another shot at some of these other positions. But ultimately, to me, if you are a person that was team Sewell and you're screaming offensive of line, offensive of line, give me offensive of line, there's going to be a guy named Taron Armstead that's going to be sitting out there. And the Bengals have plenty of cap space, and they got a quarterback named Joe Burrow that will extend the lifetime. Uh, I mean, extend the career of any offensive lineman, and if they're smart. This is a high, high, high off the charts destination for office alignment or the, or, or in this case, the best right tackle that will be on the market. To me, I think all the energy should be channeled towards a guy like that. They just need to spend it in this four year window of Burrow. They have gotta utilize like that cash and go get like primetime players because we don't have time to fool around with prospects like, you know, for, for this guy. There's no room for Air For Joe.
1: I we know that the Bengals do not prioritize paying big, big money to guards, especially in free agency. So I, I I don't I think that trend likely continues to some degree. I think like you said, Zim tackle, whether that's reef or another one out there, that they would they would be more I think they'd be more open to spending money in that regard as opposed to an interior offensive lineman. But one name that we did not mention, Quentin Spain. Right. Um, that's a guy that's on a rental deal as well, has played for the most part. Pretty right. solid this year. Um, not Pro Bowl level by any means. And there's been a couple of issues here and there. But for the most part, playing playing pretty well and a steady presence on that offensive line. So that's another decision the Bengals have to make there.
2: I feel like that's what I'm saying. The value of like, yeah, like come come on back. Riley like now you're friends with us. We, we've been eating steaks at <laughs> Jeff Ruby. Like, we've been eating steaks. We've been eating good. Haven't we been, Riley, we've been treating you fair. You know the guys. You're hanging out with us. So, Quentin Spain, like, that's the thing, though. Like, for Bengals, like, Bengals fans have to get on board with this concept. Like, now you're, like, a big tourist destination for a 28, 29-year-old guard, tackle, whatever, like, that's looking for his one last contract. Or the Quentin Spain, like, semi-journeyman type guy that – incorrectly you know may have been taken off of a roster or something like that they're looking to lengthen their playing career so Mm -hmm. joe burrow and from free agency and offensive line play there should be no shortages of guys that are are, are waiting to come here i know it's a little different but it's a concept when people start to see them winning it it makes them you know of course they want to win too but dollars make a lot of sense and if i can protect this guy named joe burrow I can make a lot of money. It really boils down to that to me.
0: Here's what it comes down to, because we don't know if they'll ever, ever invest in like the top tier offensive linemen. Like those guys are going to go where they make the most money. And that's just the way that it is. But once you get past that level, the money is basically the same. And you have to think about this. Joe Burrow wasn't even drafted by the Bengals. And DJ Reader had an offer from the Broncos and Bengals. And his agent said, who do you want to bet on? And he said, Joe Burrow, when he was still at LSU. And then this year, Riley, and then this year, coming off the injury, like Joe Burrow only played eleven games. No one knew what he was going to be when he came back. Riley Reef was still convinced that that is where he needed to go. Now you have a sixteen-game, seventeen-game currently sample size of Joe Burrow playing at an elite level. It's only going to get it easier to track those guys.
1: Yep, um, we're going to be here a few more minutes. I know we're going long, but we've had a lot of awesome super chats, which is direct support to the Javante Woods Foundation. That is awesome. We're going to try and get to some more. Texts and stuff. We've just been trying to give a little priority for these donations. It's pretty cool. Bengals Browns football says, "Love your shows, guys." Question: Do you think Mike Brown will talk about his dad during the Super Bowl speech? I hope so. <laughs> uh, that is, I, there is a YouTube link there. I did not check the YouTube link. I will definitely after the show, just because I didn't want some, you know, some audio or something going over our, our show here. But uh, we'll check that out. Um, I, I believe he will. He would. We know Mike Brown is not the most. Um, he's not a Jerry Jones in terms of getting in front of cameras and, and microphones and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't absolutely relish that attention when he speaks. It is very methodical, emphatic, and very thoughtful in what he says. We know that. Um, He, if you remember, guys, the, the old Hard Knocks uh, episodes when the Bengals were on it a handful of years ago, he had kind of just some different comments about his dad in terms of, you know, he was just just an old school guy. And sometimes they just kind of seemed like their relationship may have been, I don't know. I don't want to say strained or anything. Yeah. It, it was, it was business-like in a lot of respects, it would seem. But then there was also, I remember watching, I think it was a football life, Paul Brown. And the way Mike talked about his father too, was also pretty special. And, and when he recalled when, Paul Brown was fired from the Browns Um, and and what he said, just kind of something about, you know, they took my team away from me and all of that. And he said, I'll never forget that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's kind of an interesting and, and from what little we know about their personal relationship together, obviously there's a lot of love there. It's family, it's a family run team, but interesting question here. And John, you put up an article on cincyjungle.com kind of recently here about Some somewhat scary, but news that turned out to be okay concerning Mike Brown.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) Zach Taylor's first game ball was to Mike Brown because 31 years of him running the franchise, the first playoff win, and Mike Brown was not even at the stadium because he was at home dealing with a mild case, quote unquote, of COVID-19. Mike Brown's 86 years old. Like COVID for anyone that age is it's it's pretty serious. Right. He can turn pretty serious. So hopefully he's doing okay. Like the fact that he had that interview with Cincinnati.com seems to be like he's doing better, that he was able to talk and speak to the media. And I don't think like if the Bengals do win the Super Bowl, like Mike has to speak like in the podium and whatnot, but I don't think he's gonna get too in depth. Like like you said, he's not really one for long winded words and conversations.
2: But man, yeah, that, what if we got it? what if he got up there and had a mic drop moment? Like that would just – like people talk about like the emotions of like crying and stuff and all these different – I want Mike Brown to really go out there and pop like just two sentences and be like, yeah, like now get off my back type stuff and just boom and just step off. Like I'm going to tell you this too that sticks out with me throughout the season. Do y'all remember the letter before the season? Yeah. In that letter, now I'm I'm not I'm not trying to quote it. This is not a quotable. But in that letter, he was. It, it, I'm just giving you the short version. He was saying, you know, like you all wanted this guy, <laughs> Zach Taylor. Yeah. We yeah. wanted, so yeah. So here you go. Like, take your guy and be patient with him. And and I always stuck out with me because now that Zach Taylor is now having some success, I'm like, yeah, Mike. You know, like don't back down. off these people, like, because there's like a weird part of me that's just like. You know, like Mike, you better spend that money. And, you know, then it's the other part of me, like, oh, that's like gramps. You know, like gramps, like, you know, that's just Mike, you know. So how about Katie Blackburn being super active on social media lately now, showing her stripes yeah. on Fridays and stuff? So that's pretty cool. There's a lot going on.
1: Yeah. Um that, that front office is and and some of the initiatives they've come out with really over the past year, two years has been um pretty awesome
2: i'm gonna tell you what would be insane what if troy blackburn goes to walmart takes the super bowl trophy to like walmart or something and just says you know kiss it you know like you know like yeah i told you you know like it just goes through the checkout line and just checks out the lombardi trophy like yeah cha-ching like well, he wouldn't be right.
0: Funny. It would be funny, but he wouldn't be right. You know, he was still wrong. <laughs> right.
2: <in that> <laughs> right, right. But he would never come out and say, you know, like I shouldn't have said that. But I just want a moment like that. I, I really like. I don't know. I'm, I, I like stuff like that. I want
0: to hun- just... They are a hundred percent putting the Lombardi Trophy on the mic cart. That it's going to oh, be yeah, 100%. for sure. Hundred percent.
1: Right. For sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. That thing squeaking. We're not oiling that bad boy up no time soon. We're going to let that thing squeak down mainstream. <laughs>
1: um. Uh, a, a nice super chat from Matt Fuller, a good donation there. I've never heard anyone talk about the past rushers we played, both Bosa's Watt, the Browns, and the Raiders dudes. Um, that I, That's a good point because while some of those guys had some moments, um, I, I think I, I think Miles Garrett had ASAC against the – I have to go back and look at all this stuff, but um, I think Miles Garrett had ASAC against the Bengals at least, um, the Bosa's – the, uh, you know, Crosby had a couple of decent games against the Bengals had the sack where he, he curled, curled back inside and in, in the playoff game, but it, it, still kind of minimal just, factor this last, uh, this last week. And so was Yannick. Um, you know, Jonah Williams had a really nice game uh, last week. So I don't know guys, what, um, what are you thinking here about while all of these concerns about the offensive line, there have been a couple of decent, Watt didn't have, much of an impact, though, no, he's been hurt throughout the throughout the year. He didn't have an impact, really, in the game that he came back. And we saw what he did in that Kansas City wildcard game, too. Right, Zim? Right, right. I mean, for me,
2: that was one of the things that we've been talking about in the Twitter spaces. You guys, if you – like, there will be other Twitter spaces. There's one tomorrow at 3 p.m. When one of my guys, Eric, is hosting one because I don't think I could really say anything else. But I encourage anyone that's listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I said a lot, <laughs> but anybody that's listening to this, like go and check out these forms and like yeah, listen to it. Cool. But one of the things that the Titans fans were saying is that, well, you've never seen a front four like this because they got three guys that have had eight sacks. and I said, man, you realize. And I ran off a lift. I mean, I go through Danielle Hunter, you know, Max Crosby. Speaking of Riley Reeve, you talk about that first game, AC riley reef absolutely was destroyed by crosby and i don't know if that was just the first half but i remember seeing like a bunch of cut-ups of like that didn't go well that was the moment where i think i said you know what long term riley reef might you know might not cut it that right tackle that was the one game where i started to see that but yeah for anyone that's saying you know like the um the titans run or we need to respect their front four I will run off a list for you so crazy that you wouldn't I mean we've seen everybody Nick Bosa the other Joey Bosa uh Watt if they want to talk about Simmons we we've seen Chris Jones we've seen Cam Hayward Joe Burrow has gone through all that so any of your friends or anybody saying well they, they're not gonna be able to keep Joe Burrow clean you're right Joe Burrow might get sacked a couple times like John said early in the game like that happens in the style of play that he's he's playing, he's always looking to extend the play. He's always looking to do some stuff. I think in the last couple of weeks, one thing that's really, really happened that's um, progressed this game, is I thought like him throwing the football away, uh, daring the uh, you know, like giving the opposition their chances, putting three points on the board, you know, and then when we play the Chiefs, what happened, third and 27 happens. Like, I, I can't afford to just, you know, give you guys the ball back or kick a field goal and stuff. So Joe will pick his spots, but we've seen the best of the best. And like I said earlier in the show, those pass rushers that they have, they are really good. But to say that we hadn't seen anything like this, truly false. Like the 49ers game sticks out to me and the Jets game sticks out to me a lot. That's a very similar group of guys that get together, run stunts, and absolutely, give any offensive line in the National Football League problems.
0: It's not only that, like, they've had exposure to these guys, but they've been able to overcome it regardless. Like, I, yeah. I look at the games where Burrow's been the most sacked and the games where he's been rendered ineffective. You'd look at the Bears game that was week two when Burrow wasn't really himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he was sacked a few times against the Packers, but they still managed to be competitive in that game. The, the Browns, I guess, but that was like more towards turnovers. And the Raiders, like, because they had issues, like Zim said, with Reef against Crosby. Ever since then, like, yeah, he's taken sacks. He took four against the Chiefs. He took five against the the Niners. But he had an incredible games that game. It's it, like it's it's happened, like the offline is, has not performed very well against the lead pass rushers whatnot, but that has not stopped the Bengals offense from being effective when Burrow's dropping back. So hundred percent like the Titans can impact this game with rushing the passer. If they just dominate all day, but it's going to come down to their secondary. It's going to come down to Bayard and hooker getting on maybe one, maybe one Aaron throw from Joe Burrow because he's not made very many Aaron throws regardless in the past month. If they get that one opportunity, that is where that impact can be be made. But if they're just relying solely on pass rush, snuffing out the Bengals offense, it's going to be hard to come by.
1: Yeah and I remember you know the the thing we've talked about a little bit John on on our show is how the offensive line may have shown marginal marginal improvement this year as opposed to last year in areas like you know they're not getting those uh, those so often crushing holding penalties false starts yeah. that are drive killers all that kind of stuff so while they're giving up the hits pressure sacks still at a high rate they're not giving up that and the other issue is it's not these players and this may sound like just small victories and whatever to another fan base but it's kind of a big deal for the Bengals and their offensive line in the state of it it's not the issues that we have seen are moments they're not the entire game so what i mean by that is i i can go back and i can look at the the ravens game where jonah williams had some real first half trouble with justin houston do you remember that and then all of a sudden that just went away um, after the after the early parts of that game, whether Jonah just adjusted, I, I, the Ravens were doing different stuff. The Bengals altered their game plan. Um, so it's stuff like that where they they struggle maybe for moments or small periods of time in games, but then they they seem to remedy things in different ways. Put a band aid here, put a, a finger in the in the leaky dam, so to speak, and it and it somehow works for them. So I don't know. That's just something that I've that I've noticed. I see another super chat here, and I know we're coming up long here. So I hope you guys are still okay on time. Let me know if you are not, but um, you're out of here soon. Uh, yeah. I got like okay. five. Okay. Uh, Brick top saying uh, a uh, nice donation there. Should we choose to re- receive the kickoff in the first half? My take on that is no. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. defer and you use the strategies that have worked for you, which is namely taking care of the football, get that ball and score points right before half, get the ball right out of half And get some more points that's my take i don't know if you guys want to add to that
0: i think that's an interesting debate but yeah i think just maximizing the opportunities in the second half especially if say like the titans dreams come true right they have game control and and they're ahead you need that extra possession in the second half to to start off to begin that comeback so i understand the thought process but i would probably receive zim you're taking notes are you taking notes about these entire conversations or what's going on with you
2: You never know. I might get kicked into Twitter space or something, and I gotta remember some of these points. Yeah, I gotta have receipts, gotta have some notes, gotta be on my game. You know, these Titans come from everywhere. I'll be so glad when this daggone game is over so I don't have to talk about (laughs) Titans fans ever again. I'm not gonna (laughs) lie to you. This is a challenging fan group right here. Much respect to those
1: guys. It's been a little surprising um, about their fan base a little bit this this week, at least for me. I don't know, but... um...
0: Well, I Anthony, I
1: didn't, I didn't live through
0: the Oilers days. I didn't live through that rivalry with uh Sam Weiss and and that uh, easy, Jerry. Gla- that what, was, was, was his name Jerry Glanville? Was that, was that Jerry the, Glanville, cartoon yeah.
1: character of a head coach, absolute cartoon character of a head coach. So, so I, I didn't, I didn't live through that
0: era. So this is, this is kind of refreshing to me, just to see like what it would, what it would have been like if Twitter existed in the
1: '80s, you know? That dude, oh my God, that <laughs> dude, him probably remembers uh, maybe a little bit, but that dude. His team wore powder blue and white, and those were their colors, and a little bit of red, you know. And he would show up. He had custom-made all black. But he would wear black pants, a black starter Houston Oilers jacket, mm-hmm. black nowhere even part of their, their deal. He would leave tickets for Elvis Presley and James Dean at the box office. And he dude was just – but he he had them, and they would do all kinds of crazy crap after the whistle, all kinds of I, – I, you could go on and on. Go – Go find some of this stuff. He every single old AFC uh AFC Central coach hated him. Chuck, Chuck Knoll hated him. Weish hated him, and they would just go at it. So, I mean, there's some bad blood there that goes back some years. Obviously, the Titans being a different team and moving, it's a little different. But I am a little surprised at the the fan base, so to speak, at, at some of the things that have been occurring <laughs> this week. Man, I mean, you know. I think
2: our fan bases are very similar in the sense of we don't have a, you know, a chip. And I think we're constantly garnering for attention for the players that we like. And that's one of the things But self-awareness is always very, very key in life. And I don't know about their levels of self-awareness versus us. There is a there is a, a world that we live in that the Bengals don't win this game that, you know, like I understand that. For a yeah. Titans fan, I just don't think, you know, for the ones I've interacted with, I just don't think that they think that that's a possibility. Yeah, they're going to ground and pound, and they're going to grind us to the dang on the turf. And you yeah. know what? You boys ain't never played no football like this before. we we'll punch you in the mouth.
1: Finesse um, team. Yeah. Bro. Bro.
2: <laughs> that doesn't make it... <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. yeah. if you finesse if you finesse your way in the amc north you will end up with a three win four win season yep. like finesse if you want to and you'll be 100%. finessing to the number one pick in the draft period 100%. there
0: are no finesse nfl teams it's the nfl <laughs> it, it's it's right. not it's not the west coast college football no offense anthony but
2: like that's not that's not the case <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, uh, he's cramming.
1: He's already cramming. Yeah, let's change, <laughs> let's change the subject. Let's change the subject now. Uh we'll get out of here in just a minute. We did get a text from 803, uh Caudell in Dallas. Um, really cool. And talking about five wide or empty sets and maybe a use of Auden Tate. I don't know if audentate's Tate's gonna help potentially some of those red zone issues that we saw last week. I, I don't even know if audentate Tate uh I don't think or, he is. Yeah, I don't. I don't. We there's been no talk on him. But anyway, aside from the odd and tape thing, we'll double check on that. He was eligible. What's that?
2: He was eligible to return from injury reserve, right? And and then and he never was active. Yeah, yeah. But he was never brought back. Now I've seen him in the locker room practice, like with the guys, but still no activation. He's still like on Instagram and stuff. He's still posting Bengals stuff. So I don't feel like it's a situation where it's just like I just hate the Bengals, but. It's very safe to say the same way Trey Wayne's like, this is the last right. odd and take, right. you know, right.
1: set of games or whatever. But five five wide, um, uh, the odd and take thing aside, five wide and um, empty sets usage of that maybe to negate some of that pass rush from the Titans. What do you, what do you guys think?
0: Well, just for clarification, five wide meaning 11 personnel, three receivers, right. running back, and tight end going in empty. They're not going to use like four receiver sets, even in that sense. But I think the plan is similar to the Raiders, where the Raiders, just like the Titans, or the Titans, just like the Raiders, don't blitz a lot. It's going to be a lot of stunts with four-man rush. And uh, coverage-wise, mm-hmm. obviously, the Titans go into more uh, split safety looks. And that is the situation where you can get more explosive routes down down the sidelines, which is what you saw against the Chiefs. But I think, yeah, in the beginning of the game, a lot of quick passes to nullify that Titans mm-hmm. pass rush. Just like Zim said, maybe some quick screens, maybe some tunnel screens mm-hmm. to either Chase or CJ Uzama, just like what they did against the Jags. I think you're going to see a very similar game plan to start off in this game to nullify the pass rush and then you'll start to see some explosive deep shots against some of the split safety looks
2: that's very key you said that because a lot of people um you know they like you know uh coach ravel they're like he's a belichick disciple and he's going to change it up and he's going to have two coverages on both sides and you know i didn't think about that aspect of like yeah when you do that now you 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 leave yourself you know open to the the possibility of bigger plays being open whereas raiders totally we're just going to say, well, this is what we're doing. We're, we're staying in our stuff. Joe, we're going to count on you to throw awesome passes in these tight windows if you have to make that type of a play. I don't know if you guys saw that mic'd up Uzama throw. Like, mm-hmm. that's the best moment in it. And I mean, even he's just like, whoa. But if Joe sees the back of your helmet, it's a wrap. <laughs> like, if you're right. a DB corner safety, you see the back of your helmet, it's a wrap. Joe Burrow's putting it right in the pocket.
1: Yeah. Uh anything else any other uh questions that we did not get to that you guys are seeing that we should i saw a nice comment um on the live chat in in the Cincy jungle post from novelist 62 just saying i just wanted to say that we fans appreciate you and all of the podcasts keep up the good work so that was nice of novelist there i wanted to give a tip of the cap there but any others that you guys see that we did not get to that someone
2: made a oh i'm sorry Someone made a reference to Warren Moon, and I was going to say, I didn't know much about football, but I did play Tecmo when I was younger. I was, like, really young. (laughs) Or I was asking my cousins, like, you know, like, can you let me play? And I was too young. But I remember Warren Moon and I would even say Steve Aaron McNair. I followed everything that he did when he was at Alcorn State. I would put all the clippings and stuff on my wall. Even though it wasn't my favorite team, my dad's favorite quarterback was Warren Moon and – Like, because of that, like, I just learned a lot of, you know, like, or I just watched a lot of clips and stuff of that when I was younger. Then I grew up and watched a lot more. So somebody made a Warren Moon uh, reference, and that is one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, for sure. He was awesome. Yeah, he was
0: 100% underrated. Zim, do you have any connections to, like, the Falcons? Like, anyone in that locker room?
2: No, I did. I, I think, you know, the first interview I ever did was what's the running back that we used to have here. And he went on to who Brian Hill Brian Hill that's yeah. one guy that I'm still pretty um I'm pretty cool with to this day like we, we might send a couple messages or something on, you know on Instagram but no outside of that I don't I can't think of anybody really
0: the reason why I'm asking is because Andrew Bam Greer in Facebook uh, said in the chat that Calvin Ridley said after his contract is up he wants to join Joe burrow
2: <laughs> I wow. think he, mis- I think he misconstrued that. He just said, no, nah, he didn't say that. He said, I love Joe Burrow.
1: Mm. Love okay. Joe That's Burrow it.
2: was playing. What was that? Uh, it might have been after the Chiefs game or something on his Instagram. Or, no, that was on Twitter. He came on there and he was like man i just love joe burrow so immediately everybody was like oh confirm calvin ridley coming <laughs> to the bank yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. i'm like i don't know about that salary and no nah, uh-uh. but that would be awesome that would be i awesome. mean
0: yeah and, and calvin really hopefully he just gets his mind right for whoever he wants to do right next, right because like, that situation has been been interesting right. to see
2: mental uh, health joe- is, is real yeah
1: joe ball says uh the youtube angle shows are part of my routine now. i don't remember what i had for entertainment <laughs> prior to this season thanks man um and i guess we can get out of here on this one a text since we're going long it was from blake in mississippi um oh zim had to had to bail um Well, John, how worried are you and how likely is it that the Bengals will be flat this week and less motivated to come out hot out of the gate after all the hype and celebration from last week's monumental win?
0: Man, I I think that's the difference. The fans in the city were hype, but this is Joe Burrow's team. Like, he doesn't want to just go one and done in the playoffs. I don't think there was that at all. Like, I know that that was on Twitter. Like, oh the Bengals being the Raiders was the Bengals Super Bowl to the fans. Maybe like that was expected, that celebration and the popping off and everything. The players have a different mindset. And these are guys that have been in the playoffs before you have guys who are younger guys who went to college football, national championships. Like they're, they're not going to come out flat in the divisional round of of the playoffs. Like that card game, it was great. But like Joe said, like, Like it was a good win, but we're on to bigger and better things. I don't think they're going to come out flat. I don't think that's going to be the reason why they lose if they lose.
1: Correct. That's a, uh, couldn't have said it any better. I, I 100% agree with you. If they, if they lose, it's not because I I don't think they're flat. I think it's either they don't follow the formula that has been getting them a lot of wins in the last half of the season and, or they are just beat by a a good Tennessee team. I mean, that's, that's kind of, kind of what it is. Um, Anything else, John, any other comments, questions, be it, we didn't look at Twitter very much. I didn't really keep a close eye on the email. I I tried to get all the the live chats here, but uh, any others that maybe we missed that we should get to?
0: We might've answered too many questions. I might've revealed too many (laughs) things about myself in this one. So I better get out of here as quick as possible. Yeah,
1: there were some some, uh, interesting stuff earlier happening thanks to uh, SNL alum Luke Knoll, appreciate that. We got to get him on the show. That that'll be entertaining. But thanks to Zami, had to hop out here at at the end, and I understand why because we're almost at an hour and a half. But this is one of the biggest games in Bengals history, so we wanted to make sure that we did all of you justice. And hey, by the way, thank you very much. I've got the sun shining in my face here through a window. <laughs> that I'm trying to block um, John. I think now. We are at least right around, based on what we've uh, garnered this week, um, between what we gave the Ken Anderson Alliance, um, what we gave the uh, the Munoz Foundation and the Ken Riley Foundation, and now the Javante Woods Foundation. I think we're upwards of twenty five hundred or so dollars in just a few weeks of of work, and it's not credit to you and I; it's credit to the listeners. So um, we're we're gonna round this money up and give the money to the Javante Woods foundation, but just kind of doing some real rough math in my head. I think that's, that's about where we're at so far, which is pretty cool. Absolutely,
0: man. And that fundraiser that we had back in the summer, it was phenomenal. And then we kind of just came up with this or Anthony came up with this on the spot just because Zicky Woods was down there as ruler of the jungle. So just a really impromptu way to give back. It's one of the more significant, prominent figures in Bengals history and very topical too. So shout out to all of you guys chip in to chip into to the Javante Woods foundation. Absolutely a very worthy cause.
1: And the guy Icky likes his, uh, his honey baked ham. He told us. So uh, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. I want to remind everybody that you can get this show by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Some of you are watching it there. So subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We're on iTunes, We are on Stitcher, we are on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on all of the major platforms, not just this show, but the great show that Zim and Ace do, Orange is the New Black, as well as... uh, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick, uh, his his great work that he does and film review that he does. So all that stuff is on all the major platforms. Subscribe, leave us a review if you can. Appreciate it. Appreciate all the questions, support, super chats, et cetera. Today, this has been one of, I know we missed two of our buddies and Matt Minnick and Ace Boogie, but this has been one of, the, one of the most fun listener questions that I can remember in a long time, John.
0: That's what happens when you have Zimahude injected with everything. <laughs> and, and shout out to Ace, who could not be here. But again, just real quick, you can get this phenomenal sweatshirt only at NewstripeCity.com. Shout out to Seth Reese, who designed it. Shout out to Ace, who manufactured to put it all together. He's had a great month with his website. And definitely check out Zim's website, to Burrow Babies, to get
1: all of his wonderful merch as well. Yep. Awesome stuff. Hey, John, enjoy yourself this weekend. My friend uh, should be a fun one going on in, in Nashville. Yeah, I'll talk to you next week, man. Alright dude. Hello world. What separated
2: your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.